right, we're on. Just wanted to let y'all know I went to the uh, pastor's prayer breakfast yesterday morning. It was it was really it was a very nice place. They had never had one there before. It was in Parisburg, out past Giles High School. Um, beautiful view. It was a it was a private home, and it's like a little mansion. And then there was this carport in between the two that acted like a breezeway type area where you could walk from the house over to this banquet hall. And the banquet hall was garages underneath for boats and vehicles and all these things. And then you, when you go in, you go up a set of steps, and there was all kinds of stuff up there, this humongous kitchen, and then the banquet hall to the left. And it was upstairs, so you had a nice view from that. Every window, you walked up into it. It was... You, so you walked in like a little tiny hallway, and there was a window. There was storage, built-in storage in every single one of them. It was a very amazing place, and one of the best breakfasts I have ever had. The problem was very few pastors showed up. Very few. I think there was three. And then one teacher of a Christian school that was uh, part of one of the the pastor who did the devotion, his church has a Christian school. And the guy who was there um, also uh, was a teacher for one of the classes. So, and he had to leave early. So he wasn't even there when we got to the prayer time. <clears throat> and then there was uh, a board member who was there. And of course, two ladies from the Pregnancy Resource Center and then there was another lady there, and I don't know exactly what her role was, other than I think she was a volunteer or maybe a counselor at, maybe a volunteer counselor at the Pregnancy Resource Center. She had some very moving stories to tell us about, you know, being a witness, witnessing um, the Lord Jesus, and, and just the way she spoke to them. Because there's so many people who come into that place that don't have any kind of spiritual background at all. So, to, like she said, they were kind of like a blank slate. And she just started speaking things to them without pushing anything on them. She just spoke to them in a way they don't normally get spoke to and used a lot of terms like, uh, you are so blessed and things like that. And at, the longer she met with them, over time of them coming in and meeting with her, she started noticing that the way they spoke was different. And they started doing the same, you know, the same thing. And eventually, they got to the point where they were wanting a salvation experience. So, uh, the story that Debbie shared, uh, it, was, it was part of the update so when you go to this uh, prayer breakfast, they, they give you some updates on what is happening. And they got two grants. First, they got one grant from Focus on the Family. And it was, it was to buy ultrasound equipment. So the, when the women come in, 
they really want to do a free ultrasound so that they can actually see what's going on inside of their body. And when that is available and they do it, they don't have to. It's just it's like we can, we can, we're going to do this for you, this, and then we also we can do an ultrasound. She shared a story of a, a girl coming in, a young lady coming in with her boyfriend, and the girl had already made her mind up that she was having an abortion. And she came in there seeking help for different things, and they, they asked her if they could do an ultrasound. So the boyfriend was in there with them when they did it, and Debbie said, I really like it when the guys are in there. So they're showing the ultrasound, and he is watching the ultrasound, and you can just see him changing, and he was hanging on to her and, and trying to comfort her, and he was saying, that's a baby. And the girl's like, no, I, I'm, I don't want to have a baby. I'm not going to do it. And they were kind of back and forth. You know, he was trying to convince her. And when he finally said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you forever. That's our baby. And she changed her mind. That's all she needed to hear. So it, it was very moving. Um, glad, very glad now that I saw how, how few pastors. See, it, 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 it made me mad. It really, because there was about at least 10 name tags already ready. So there was 10 that was supposed to be there. <clears throat> Before COVID, they had 15 was the best they ever had. And then last year, there was 30. So they had, they, it was two years they missed meetings. And they finally got up and running, and 30 pastors showed up last year. And I'm thinking, where were they at? When I, heard, when I saw the postcard and saw they were having the breakfast, I was like, yes, I cannot wait to go back. And I was actually kind of mad when I left there that there were so few that showed up this year. I mean, I can see there's things that come up. I mean, I was one day away from not being able to go because I was at a graveside service on Monday. There's no way I could have went to Parisburg and got back for 11 o'clock graveside. So things like that happen, but for that many not to even want to come, and then the 10 that signed up, only three of us, or maybe four if you count. I think the, the other guy that was there, even though he wasn't technically a pastor, he, his name tag was there. So just wanted to give you an update on that. And... Um, I was, I was talking to a lady earlier today, a uh, lady that Michelle has known for many years, and they have been without a pastor at their church. Their, they, their church is fairly close, and if I told you where, where it's at, you would know what I'm talking about. And just, you know, happened to run into her. We were talking. And they've been looking for a pastor for two years. And they, they got somebody to come in. The other one left when COVID got messy, and, and he just left, gone. And he was fairly new from, from what I understand. So they got this new person come in, has come in, and they've all met him. And most of the people want him. So we were just talking about, this church and what we've gone through, how I became pastor here, and the whole story with that. 
and we, we got to, uh, she was talking about how there's certain things you just can't preach about anymore. And, and I said, <laughs> I said, well, I preach about abortion. I preach about homosexuality. I pre-, you know, and I've just started boom, boom, boom. And she's just like, you do? And I said, not every week, but, you know, it, when it comes up, you know, I, I'll preach about it. And, she, and she's like, oh, no, we, there's no way you could do that at our church. And it, so she was talking about, being, you know, that being political. And I said, I said yeah, that's the, the complaint I get. Whenever I do a message like that, somebody will come to me and accuse me of being political. But I said, it's, I'm being biblical. And I explained to her why I was being biblical when I was showing her places in the Bible. She was sitting there amazed that I was just pulling up verses to share with her. I'm like, yeah, all right, you go to Leviticus 18.22, and this is what it says. And I shared that little story with the person telling me that, uh, it, you know, that, that subject's only in the Old Testament. And then I said, well, you really need to read Romans chapter 1, and the person getting upset with me saying, oh, I know, I know what's in Romans chapter 1. I used to do Sunday school and this, that, and the other. And I thought, well, if you know what's in one, Romans 1, then you wouldn't have told me that it's only in the Old Testament. And she's looking at me kind of funny and like, well, what's in Romans 1? I haven't mentioned any names or anything. Um, I'm, I'm talking to my wife back in the back who just walked in. Uh, I'm just talking about the, the conversation that was had today. And so, and this is a lady that's been in church for a long, long time. And, and it's not that I expect everybody to know what's in Romans 1. Right? I don't, I don't say, because everybody remembers things differently, right? Some people are more visual learning and that, that type of thing. Some people can memorize verses really, really well. I, I, I'm not real good at, I might know a verse but I can talk about it, but I don't want to quote it. I'd much rather open my Bible up and read it. Because I don't want to take a chance on getting one word wrong. I just don't want to. Now, just in general talking about it, you know, I may talk about a verse, but I'm not, I'm, if, I'm gonna, if I want it all, and it's critical that all of that verse comes out, I want to open up my Bible. But anyway, I don't expect, everybody to know what I'm talking about when I refer to a verse, but if I start reading that verse, it should be very familiar to you, right? So, you know, my, I got a Bible on my phone, so I pull my phone out, and I go right to that, and I start reading, and her eyes just got big. It's like, whoa, because she was saying, well, you know, homosexual is really not in the Bible anywhere, and I said, I Maybe the New Living Translation, it probably actually says that in 1822. It might. So uh, I, I, I read out of uh, Romans chapter 1, and she was just like blown away. I said, it's biblical. I'm not preaching about it if it's not biblical. So all of these things are biblical. So this uh, past Sunday, Ronnie was talking about running into people who say that that clump of tissue that's inside of a woman, some people say she's pregnant, and it's just a clump of tissue. 
So he runs into people who say that, well, it's not really a baby until it's born. So I just pulled this out of my notebook. It was in my back of my notebook, and Ronnie made copies of it, and he's going to keep, them with, keep a copy of this with him. But this is some places in the Bible that talk about being in the womb. So Psalm, try to remember Psalm 139, or get a copy of this. Hmm? Okay. So 139, 13 through 16 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. So the King James Bible, when you see the word perfect, that also could be complete. So the, the, the baby inside the womb is not completely developed, but God's eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. All of the members, all the little parts of the baby are being formed and which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. The heartbeat starts, I think they were telling me yesterday morning, five weeks and six days, five weeks and five days, something like that is when the heartbeat is, is detectable. And when you see an ultrasound, when you're eight weeks, you can see that little heartbeat in there. You can see it. All right, Isaiah 49. This is verse 1, and then we're going to go to verse 5. Isaiah 49, verse 1. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. So he knew your name when you were inside your mother's womb. Then uh, go down to verse 5. See, this is Isaiah talking. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. That was the purpose. God already had a plan for him when he was in his mother's womb. Jeremiah, very first part of Jeremiah, chapter 1. Then the word, this is 4, four and 5, verses 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Which means Jeremiah was set apart for a purpose. And what was that purpose? And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah was ordained to be a prophet when he was inside his mother's womb. Then, make sure you know the story in Luke chapter 1 and then verse 41. Know this story well. If you, if you ever, uh, at Christmas time, you're getting into the Christmas story, back up a little bit and read what leads up to it. It says that 
John the Baptist, and I'm not reading a verse, I'm just telling you what it says. This is just, uh, um, John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb for joy when the mother of our Lord, Jesus Christ, spoke to them. He, she came up and spoke to Elizabeth behind her, and the, John the Baptist was inside of her. And when he, in the belly, heard the voice of the mother of our Savior, he leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. That's just four different places in the Word of God. And that's sufficient, I think. But there's plenty of other references in the Word of God. I didn't bring that notebook in here. I'm glad because I would be going over there wanting to read stuff out of that too. But uh, So now that I've, this will be, it's recorded. People can hear what I've said and they can look it up for themselves. Uh, we can make some more copies for the people who are here. So is it political to talk about abortion? Is it political or is it biblical? It's very biblical. <clears throat> and I got this uh, paper that talks about the different things that they, the Pregnancy Resource Center wants uh, uh, prayer for, asking for prayer. So I have that up here too, if you'd like to make a copy of that. And there's my name tag, proof that I went. <clears throat> and on October 11th, I'm going to their office in uh, Radford and have a devotion and pray over the staff. I'm excited about that. So let's get into the book of James. We've been, we've been, in, we've been talking about the epistle of James for a while. You know how, how long we've been in James? <clears throat> the very first page of this notebook I actually put a date down, July 19th. July 19th is the date I wrote on here, James, and then that's when we very first started James. You wouldn't think five chapters would take this long. <laughs> We're in chapter 4, verse 13. Everybody there? <clears throat> Go to now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. <clears throat> Notice the we will. This is, this is, what this is saying is, if you leave God out of your plans, that is wrong. That's simply what it is saying. You know, there's a, a verse in Joshua that says, everyone did what was right in their own mind. Makes me think of that. <clears throat> Whenever we say, I will, I, what, 
This is what I want to do. We need to be reminded of something that, uh, and that, and what I want to take you to is Isaiah 14. <clears throat> you don't have to turn there if you don't want, but Isaiah 14. I read out. I read this not that long ago, talking about another point. But there's something that's pretty amazing in Isaiah 14. When I was talking to you before, I was talking about how people discount this as being talked about as this is Satan, but it's the king of Babylon. But as you get over into 14 and you get down to verse 12, it's very clear that he's talking about Satan. Very clear. <clears throat> so I'll start reading at 9, and then the one where I really want you to pay attention is verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials. Now, the, Satan was considered kind of like the praise and worship leader of heaven. So, his, the noise of his vials, he maybe sang beautiful, wonderful songs. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. What does that mean? Uh, you have, you have a soul, a spirit, you have a body, and the worm is kind of like, and without a body, you, you're, the worm would be like your spirit, and that's going to be cast into hell. There's going to be other fallen spirits around you, basically, is what that's saying. So, a caterpillar... Think of it as, as a worm, caterpillar. It is not its finished state. It's going to go into a cocoon, and then one day it's going to burst forth from there. So just imagine you as a human being. You're very incomplete, and you dying and going into the grave, and one day you're going to come out in your resurrected body if you're a believer. Just like that uh, caterpillar goes into a cocoon, you think it's done for. But then it breaks forth out of that, and it's a beautiful butterfly, being able to fly. And when we get our glorified body, we're going to go meet him in the air when we come up out of that grave. <clears throat> but Satan is going to be cast down where that doesn't happen for him. He's lost forever. Now here's where it gets really, really telling, and this is where I want you to pay very close attention. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now, you have a hard time finding O Lucifer in any new version of the Bible. Son of the morning. Does anybody have... Uh, can you reach a, a new international version? You got it? Turn. Go ahead and turn to that verse and just kind of hang on to that. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? 
For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Notice that. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And stars of God are angels. He wants to be above them all. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Well, that didn't work so well for him, did it? Because 15 says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now, see, Satan, he'll be locked up for a period of time. So after Jesus comes back, Satan will be locked up, but not all the way down into the bottomless pit yet. He will be in the side of the pit, a compartment of hell, and then, I think it's after the thousand-year reign, he is loosed along with a bunch of other fallen angels, and then there's one last battle, and then he will be thrown into the lake of fire. I'm sorry. (laughs) I said hell too many times. Uh, not supposed to say it at all in church anymore, right? Not, you're not supposed to say it. Now, most new versions of the Bible says uh, Hades. It will not say hell. You just won't see it in them in those versions. I don't know if you ever see it in a new version. Ah, the new versions are going right along with uh, making people feel a bit better. Not so scary. When when you hear the bottomless pit, doesn't that sound weird? It's like, how is that possible? Because you're supposed to go into the earth. You're supposed to be, because everybody says hell is down there. It's down, and when Jesus said, when he was, he, he told his disciples that he would go into the heart of the earth. When he died on the cross, that he was going to be buried in a tomb, but he, his spirit was going to go down into the heart of the earth. And we know that he went down there and ministered to those people who were in Abraham's bosom. That was a place that had running water. So there's different compartments of places down in the earth. But this bottomless pit, it just doesn't make any sense. And I've, I've shared this before a long time ago. Here, you may, you may remember this, but when I was at the church many years ago, before I, we came up here, Pastor Jay was our, was our pastor, and he had me over the teenagers for a period of time. And I was teaching the teenagers Bible on Wednesday nights. And I wasn't really good at explaining the bottomless pit, but there was this girl there, teenage girl, who lived in the, in the neighborhood, and all her friends would come. I had a, had a big group of kids on Wednesday. Um, only one actually went to church there. The rest of them, they just knew they could come there on Wednesday night and sit through a Bible study. And they act like it was just terrible, and uh, they would fuss at me. That girl, this, the girl I'm talking about, she fussed at me quite a bit. She got up and walked out of there one night. Didn't know if I'd ever see her again, but she's right back to the next week. But I offended her pretty bad. Uh, I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> I would offend anybody. but So I was trying to explain it, and she's sitting there, and she's like, well, 
it's not that hard to explain. And I went, oh, okay, well, what do you think? And she said, the earth, just think about the earth. And she said, the very center of the earth is like a gaseous ball of fire right in the middle. And it doesn't matter where on the earth that you might die and you, your soul is cast down into the earth, and if there's a hole that you're finally cast into, you would, you would go all the way down, but you would hit the center of the earth because of gravity. And you would, you would stop there, and you would just spin around forever and ever and ever. And I went, whoa, the bottomless pit. She explained it very well. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Whether that holds a volcano or whatever, I don't know how, but anyway, she explained it to where everybody was in there going, wow, that Bible's pretty accurate. That Bible makes a little more sense to me right now. But that's, that's the kind of people that I had in the class, and she still did, wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Even though she, she, could, she could, that smart, but I, I wish I remembered her name. She ended up having a little baby, and I can't remember her name now. See, back then you'd think you'd never forget any of that stuff, but as the years go by, for some reason, those things start going away. Okay, now in the NIV, where it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? What does it say in there? Okay, so morning star. It says, instead of saying, O Lucifer, it says, O morning star, son of the dawn. So you may want to turn to the very, very back of your Bible to Revelation 22. That's the last chapter in the Word of God. Now, I, I read off a whole bunch of names for Jesus the other day, a few, couple weeks ago, whenever it was. And I, I was reading out of a book that uses a different version of the Bible. So when I got to verse, go to verse 16 of 22, chapter 22, verse 16. Everybody there? I kind of want you to see this. And you can even turn there in the NIV if you would like, if you want to compare. But it says... This is, in your Bible, I don't know if it has red words there, but I have red words. So it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, comma, and the bright and morning star. Morning star. Now, bright and morning star, the bright morning star is a name for Jesus Christ. So in the NIV, they took out O Lucifer and they said O morning star. Now, if they would have put O bright morning star, would have really, really been telling, and you probably would have picked up on it right away, but it says O morning star. Jesus said he was the bright and morning star. So is, it, is Satan getting a little tiny bit of what he was actually wanting? I will ascend. I will, I will be like the Most High. 
to give him a name that is anywhere close to Jesus, it, it, that's, that's scary to me, very scary. Now, people can argue he was referred to as the son of the dawn or the morning, whatever. So it's, it's close either way, but it's just something to think about. Now, if you, are, if, you don't, if you have a newer version of the Bible, it might say, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright, the bright morning star. It, it makes it sound like David is the bright morning star, but we need to know that he is the offspring of David, and he is the bright and morning star. I, I shared that at the jail one time, and a guy just went. He was every time I said something about King James, and you know, re, you know, read it out of the King James, or this is why I like King James. He was just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And I did this one day, and he was just like, whoa, you know. And he he loved the King James ever after that. Uh, so in the uh, NIV, what does it say? So it says it right there. Okay. And what does 13 say? Back up to 13. Okay, they got that right too. All right. So the I wills, I wills of Satan. So we got to be careful about our I wills. The next verse in James is talking about that vapor. So he had a, I mean, you got a plan there up, there, up there in 13. There's a plan, very detailed. We, a group of people, are going to go to a city. We're going to continue there for a specified period of time. We're going to buy and sell, and the purpose of doing all that is to get a profit, get gain. Now, is there anything wrong with having a plan like that? Not really, but if you leave God out of it, then it's wrong. And we're all guilty of making plans and leaving God out. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. So you don't even know about tomorrow. But yet you're making plans for tomorrow and today might be the day that he wants you to do something. But if you get too consumed with what you're going to do tomorrow, you may miss the things that you were supposed to do today. So I guess you could say that's where, you know, why do it today when I can do it tomorrow comes from. Yeah, I'm not going to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. You don't know about tomorrow. You may not get tomorrow. We've heard a lot about that recently, you know, sitting right here. We might not have tomorrow. So don't put off today for tomorrow. Because for what is your life? That's a question. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Well, at the uh, graveside service for Fred, I read all of Psalm 90. And I, you know, here on Sunday, I read this verse. For a thousand, this is, this is Psalm 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight, talking about God's sight, are but as yesterday. You know, we, we've, we read in uh, Peter where he says, you know, a thousand years is like a day, and a day like a thousand years for the Lord. 
But we, as a person, that seems like a very, very long period of time. And it is for a person. But to God, the last thousand years is not just as a day, but is, is there three watches in a night? During the night, I think it's three watches. And it says, when it is passed, and as a watch in the night. So that would just be a third of the night, if I'm right on the watches. But anyway, it's not even a whole day. To God, that past thousand years was like this, just like that. And we need to understand that our life is a vapor. It's so quick. And we need to make the most of it. For, this is verse 15, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. So you've heard people say, people who know their Bibles, that's just the way they speak. So older people who knew their Bibles very well, we don't say this much anymore. But I think we should change our vocabulary a bit. I think we should be more in the Word and speak more of what we read in the Word. It should be our everyday conversation. God should be consulted in all our plans, I'm reading. And they should be made in His will, not my will. Not our will, but His will. We should live and speak in the realization that our destinies are in his control, we should say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Thus, in, all right, so in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul said in uh, Acts 18.21, I will return unto, again to you, God willing. And then in 1 Corinthians, he said, I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. So that's where we get it from. We get it from James and we get it from, that, from there, from Paul. Paul in uh, Acts and 1 Corinthians. Verse 16, But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. The, so think about being prideful, boastful, about what you want to do in the future. A lot of people talk about all the things that they have done. You know, if you, I, I, was, I heard somebody talking on the radio. It was one of the shows I like to listen to. And they homeschooled their kids, and the boy of the family had, had done some pretty amazing things, but he didn't go off to some big fancy college, and he didn't have some fancy job or whatever. And they were talking to some friends, and... He said, well, how are your kids doing? Oh, well, my son went to, you know, some fancy college, and he did this, that, and the other. Now he works for this amazing uh, place, and he makes this amazing amount of money. He's just doing so good, and she felt like, ugh. But was he living for the Lord? Was he making anything in, of his life that really counted for eternity? And another woman who was in the conversation uh, said something to her, because she started feeling like, uh, she didn't know what to say to measure up to what this other mother said. And um, another lady said, talking about her son, that the, the lady's son who was feeling, feeling bad, she, 
she said, oh, I know your son, and he is so awesome. He's such a good person, and, and he started this, uh, his internet business, and, and just going on and on, and, and how he, you know, he loved the Lord. He was a good, godly Christian person. So we're supposed to store up treasures in heaven. We're supposed to do things for the life after this one. I, I, I was limited on time Sunday at the service. Maybe it was a good thing because, you know, I said a few little things about, I talked about the bathroom situation, you know, how people just are devastated if they only would have one bathroom in a house nowadays and how people in Fred's generation would be happy to have one bathroom and really, really happy if it was in the house and how we, as this, this generation, we don't know what real work is. We really don't know what real work is and most of us won't take a job that requires real work. And so... I could, have got, I could have talked about all the fancy things you could go to school for, you can be educated, you can make this amazing amount of money, and you could have a wonderful house and, and all these things you can brag about. There's all kinds of things that people will attach themselves to because they don't feel like they... Even, even if they have those things... Deep down inside, they know they haven't done anything really important. So they, deep down inside, they may feel guilty. So you have people who are trying to save the earth. We've got that crowd. They're, they're doing everything they can to try to save the earth. When, when over in Peter, he says that the earth is going to melt. With the, the heavens and the earth are going to melt with a fervent heat. It doesn't matter what you do. So you got all these people that are out there trying to make the world better, make things better for themselves. And like Adrian Rogers says, if you are successful in all of that, all you have done is made a world that's a better place to go to hell from if you don't know the Lord. So that wouldn't have been a good thing to say. Not in a situation like that. And I would have never said that. But... I did want to get into more detail of, and this came from Lee texting me, going, you realize that the Apostle Paul, if he had to walk on all three of those missionary journeys, would have walked 10,000 miles? Did you just talk about that recently? So he was saying, talk about uh, walking from New York City to Los Angeles and back, how many times that would be to get 10,000 miles in? And today we have trains and cars and planes that we can get anywhere we want so fast, but are we doing anything like what the Apostle Paul did? Are we spreading the gospel and starting churches with emails and being able to communicate all the things that we have, we should be able to get the gospel everywhere and everybody should be saved now. And so the Lord can come back. But he did way more with none of that. None of it. And how pitiful we are today. I know people who, who run their heat at night and they run their air conditioner during the day 
in the same 24-hour period. Does that sound crazy? Everybody may have done that. I don't know. But there are people who run their heat at night because it's a little chilly, and then they'll run their air conditioner during the day in the same 24-hour period. That would, there was no such thing as air conditioning back in this generation that I'm talking about that knew how to work, that didn't have bathrooms in the house. There was no such thing as air conditioning in your house. Um, but we're soft. We are so soft. And if we're just the least bit uncomfortable, we will spend a fortune just to be a little more comfortable. So the thoughts of walking, like Paul did, to take the word to somebody, who, who's going to do that? Who's going to get out of their comfort zone and do the hard things to get the word to places it needs to go? All right, I got one minute. Because I want to stop at 7. I do not want to go past 7. We got a late start. So I could go a little later, but I'm not going to. So don't rejoice in your boastings, because it is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's the, that's, that's the end of four. Now, here in the last several days, there have been FBI agents who have... They're called whistleblowers now because they're telling everybody about what all the bad stuff that's going on in the FBI. Well, one of those whistleblowers was talking about in their training, when they were training to be FBI agents, they were required to go to D.C. and go to the Holocaust Museum. They were required to do that as part of their training. Why? They were shown how, in Germany, all the things that led up to that terrible killing of the Jewish people. And one of the main things that happened was the law enforcement of the country started working for the government and doing what the government told them to do. We're seeing that right now in America. And that's why these FBI agents are being, becoming whistleblowers, because this one, one guy who was telling that story, he said, we were told that if you are ordered, you, these, are, these are your orders, you go and do this, and they knew it was wrong, they were to say, absolutely not. My training told me that when this happens and I'm, you're asking me to go after people that we shouldn't go after, then I'm not supposed to do it. And they're not doing it, but many of them are. But there's some, and they're suffering for standing up for what's right. But we are told in James 4.17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So he said, for you to say, I was just following orders, is no excuse. Those orders were bad, wrong, you shouldn't have done it. And, there, and there's a bunch of examples of what has happened recently of the, of the FBI, law enforcement in this country, doing things that we're not supposed to do. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. Is that political? 
It's biblical. I just read it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, the book of James is it's criticized by some. It's not liked by many people. But Father, we learn, we have learned so much out of this book of James. And we still got another chapter to go. And we are all looking forward to that. But Father, we have uh, people who need to be prayed for. Father, we want to lift up Dee Dee. She's here tonight, and her heart is broken. She has lost someone very special to her. And Father, we ask that you would just put your loving arms around her. Let her feel your presence, Father. Give her the strength that she needs to carry on. And Father, I pray that she would look to you and she would pray to you every day. And Father, we are so thankful that she's here with us. And Father, we have other people here tonight that are dedicated to your word. Father, they want to come together. They want to lift people up in prayer. And Father, give us everything that we need to be good representatives for you in this hurting world. Father, help us. Father, we want to lift up the Pregnancy Resource Center in Radford and Blacksburg. And Father, your, your protection was very evident with them. And Father, we're thankful for that. And Father, we ask that you would continue to bless them. Father, I pray that the churches that are in our community and in this region would, would stand strong and not be afraid. Father, there's too many leaders in the church that are intimidated, scared that they'll look bad, scared that they may, may be talked bad about. Father, I pray that those things would be set aside and there would be more people who will preach your word. Father, many things that we're up against, many things that are hurting this country, hurting the family. And Father, we need to be strong in the church and not scared to speak out. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.